Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bono, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go. So, nice to meet you, Dave. Today's guest is Dave O'Connor. He's had quite a dynamic career over the last 20 years. Anything from dining, psychology, politics, public relationships, journalism, and startups. And today, Dave is running Fundbringer, where he's coaching individuals at a turning point in their career or purpose. So that's quite a background. (laughs) Was that planned or how did that happen? Tell Tell me more about that. That's a wonderful question and a great place to start. Some of it was planned. Some of it was reactionary and some of it was opportunistic. It was a quite the journey. It's not even close to over. But I do really, I think the biggest takeaway for me and what I try to talk with my uh, clients and my friends about is that ultimately everything we're doing with careers and experiment and when we can embrace the uh, the mindset of a, of a scientist or, or someone running an experiment or a series of experiments, I think we can let go of a lot of the weight of a career or a choice needing to be perfect. Did you have a favorite one? Or maybe favorite is hard to say, but let's say which of all of those like hats that you've been wearing, which one would you say taught you the most? Mm. Like, what is the most important lesson you would say? Oh, that's great. It's a really great question. Shockingly, one that I haven't necessarily thought about in that through that lens. So I might have to just think of the a big lesson, which is mm. well, I'm actually going to go back to a job that I had before I was even getting paid by like an mm. employee, which was working at my dad's house on the weekends. And every weekend we did landscaping projects. And it got to a point where he knew that I knew the tools in our garage well enough to get a job done. And when we got to a point in our, not a relationship, but our our projects where he could say, Hey, Dave, you know, the tools that are in the garage, you know, the project I'm asking you to get done, do your thing, man. And Mm. it really instilled a level of trust in myself, in my planning and in my process uh, that I, I can, I can do the job. Hey, wait a minute. And so Mm. I really tried to lead from a position of helping other people understand the tools in the garage and the job at hand, and then entrusting that they are smart enough and uh, organized enough to get the job done and then support them in that process. And that's very much what you do with uh, Fundbringer. Let's get to that. I'm, I'm going to ask you about how you come up with that name because usually like coaching, especially coaching entrepreneurs, coaching leaders, or people that aspire to be leaders, people usually look at that as a very serious thing. Yes, and, yes. Uh, yeah. And you're right on the money in some respects, although I am noticing that a lot of coaches that I have had and that are in my orbit, uh, my network, are eager to approach coaching with a lot lighter and more fun built in, lighter experience and fun built into the journey of ultimately what is like gathering insights and then taking action. I came up with the name Funbringer from a desire in my life to add fun to a world that seems like it desperately needs it. And Mm. in the process of coaching, yeah, there are some really tough moments like as there are in life. But the goal is that when you understand yourself better and when you make more purposeful, self-aware decisions, 
the outcome is in the aggregate more fun for you and the people in your life. That's where the fun bringer name comes from. And I heard a quote earlier this morning on a podcast that a dear friend of mine just launched. And the quote is, you cannot get to the good stuff until you have gotten through the identity threatening stuff. You have Mm. to really, really get to know yourself to know what are like the, what's the right path for you. And once you get going on that path, some doors to fun ultimately do end up opening up. And that's kind of naturally leads to my next question, which, so you are like, I've looked at your website. So you effectively helping, like we mentioned earlier, you're helping people who are in a turning point to understand their purpose. How does one know they don't? Because I think it's like once you know, oh, I have a problem. I don't know what my purpose is. That's a very good place to be in terms of, okay, so you know you you need to go and look for a solution and that's where you come in. But how does someone know that's the case? That's a wonderful question. So someone may not know that the solution to their problem is more insight around their purpose, but my approach to helping them explore the possibilities to solving their problem is around, is diving into an understanding of their purpose. So it's not necessarily like purpose is lacking and therefore change needs to take place. It's more a person has a mysterious feeling that change should happen in their lives. And in order to understand the right change for themselves, we touch down on purpose. All right. Yeah. I can I can see that better now. And is that like who would you say your typical client is? Or at what point should somebody contact you or somebody like yourself? Is it just when it's it's um career related? Somebody feels there needs to be a change or can it be can it be personal? I think so. I should point out the target audience, generally, broadly speaking, really is men in their 30s who have had a generally speaking, successful life, according to, let's say, the American dream, right? They're upwardly mobile. They're probably starting like chapter two of their career, like their earning years. They may have some of the stereotypical things in place like home, partner, child, and they're living a generally healthy lifestyle. And yet there's still something missing. Mm. As men, we tend to think that the missing piece is in career. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to start talking with guys around career, but career is just an inevitable interlocked part of life broadly. So we might come in through the door of career, but ultimately like we're looking at decisions and behaviors and habits that are part of a life. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, um, uh, does that help to answer that question? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So you do start around career and around yeah work-related issues, but inevitably that boils down to something that affects your life. Exactly. In, in any an way, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to give an example. There's this archetype, silently suffering Dan, right? Mm. Dan's 36 years old. He's been killing it. He got his MBA, got a graduate degree. He's doing great, living right outside of a large city with a wife he married five years ago and a three-year-old girl at home. Plays golf with his buddies on the weekends, has barbecues, visits the in-laws. Everything's good, right? And yet, anytime Dan has an achievement that he's celebrating at work or on social media and his friends text him, way to go, 
his reaction is basically, yeah, man, it's pretty great. It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> like absolute lack of enthusiasm and fulfillment by all these boxes that he might be checking, or even just like his annual reviews. Like he checked all the boxes with his manager and yet things just feel a bit like they're on the treadmill and he wants something more than that in his life. Right mm. now, that was all like, or a large portion of that is related to career, but I can't help but end that sentence with, and he wants something more in his life. So mm -hmm. you tend to like address the life when you come in through such a big pillar of life as career. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that was a masterclass or a podcast I was listening to earlier and there was some something very similar about, the, I mean, we literally spend more time at work than we do at home. And yeah. not to mention that we oftentimes, you know, you're at home, like the kids are playing and you're thinking about work. So it is absolutely a mirror and a reflection of and, and a big part of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people, um, regardless of gender, who are working from home. So at work is home and physically oftentimes alone in front of a computer and that inevitable feeling of loneliness can creep in, right? Mm. So now we're grappling with, okay, the job is not blowing my mind anymore. I'm not really interacting with my peers in an enriching way. And now I'm sitting here home alone four or five days a week and I can't get rid of these thoughts of what am I doing? So you might come in through the career doors, you address that, but ultimately you get an opportunity. It's an invitation to take a look at the whole life. Mm, absolutely. So how do you help that done guy? <laughs> yeah, mainly by hopefully asking helpful questions and doing a ton of listening. Um, I don't really help. And again, this is sort of something I take away from my dad, who is a social worker for 35 years. I'm not really helping a client so much as the client is helping themselves, right? Like this process, much like a therapeutic process or an athletic training process, your mind and your body are doing the work. I, as the coach, am not really, I'm just, I happen to have enough experience to maybe ask the right questions at the right time. And oftentimes not, but like I'm coming on, I'm sort of shining the flashlight on our little journey up the mountain together. I'm poking around with you and shining the flashlight where it seems to be right for that journey at that time. And we're looking for your gold, right? So it's, it's, you really are uh, doing the work as the client, but I hope that the help I offer is in asking provocative, challenging, helpful questions that lead to insights, which leads to action. And then we get some mm. fun on the other side of that. Oh, that makes sense. And it's funny because you, you mentioned like uh, um, athletes in sport and immediately had that analogy because I've, I've been running for some time now, but two years ago, I actually got a coach. I got signed up into a club because I, I was very funny. You were talking about the Dan guy who, you know, got to a place in his career where he's comfortable, but it's not challenging anymore. And he's like, yeah, that's okay. But I, I need something more. That's where I was with my running. And that's where I go to coach. And like you said, like it's still me doing all the work, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> you know, it's still me doing the running, 
but it really helps when you get to that stage and you're like not sure where to go to have that structure, that motivation. Yes. Yeah, really yeah coaching as a service ultimately is kind of a collection of accountability, That's gui- yeah. guidance, but not advice. There's a really fine line between guidance and advice. And I'm sure that let's take a, a golf instructor, for example, and maybe a running coach too. Maybe there, I mean, there are mechanics in, in all athletic endeavors, but if you have a coach that insists upon you using a certain type of mechanics and your body just does mm. not work that way, a great coach can notice that and adapt with you, right? Mm. Uh, so there's accountability, there's noticing the mechanics that could be shifted in the world of coaching that can be habits, thought patterns, communication style. And then on the motivation piece, it's like, Coaches absolutely should not be strictly a cheerleaders, but they should be able to help you see a vision for the type of future that you want and then make real plans with you to Mm. go get it, right? So we're not just fantasizing for an hour together once a month. This is real practical activation of of the body and mind to go get something accomplished, such as Mm. a new time on a marathon or, you know, a race. It's not just... I know you want to be first. I know you want to win. Mm. That's awesome, right? We're not just (laughs) going to sit around and talk about how awesome that is. (laughs) Got to get to work. Yeah. And it's also adapted. Like, again, I'm I'm back to my coaching, but I'm sure that's the same way with you. It's like we have X number of people in the group, but we sit once or twice a year and we make a list of who has what goals for that year because they're not the same for everyone. Yeah. And that's an important distinction between coaching and a lot of types of therapy. Like a lot of types of psychotherapy and psychiatry is like you, first of all, you're addressing a very specific mental illness. Step one, coaches do not do that. Step two is it's not, it's not an endless exploration per se. It's a goal oriented exploration. And that insight that you journey towards is a means to an end. I want X to be different, better, brighter. I need to get to know myself a little bit better in order to plan the steps that are right for me to get to that future state. And well, uh, and I know we need to be wrapping it up in a minute. One or two more questions. I'll I'll try with one, see how that goes. (laughs) Um, How does understanding and knowing oneself and one's purpose reflect on running a better business. (laughs) I love that. Um, And I actually, this speaks to brand a little bit as well. And as a solopreneur at the moment and a previous head of a startup, I have realized that one of the hardest parts about running a business is time management. And time management is a matter of setting clear priorities and you cannot set clear priorities if you don't know what your North Star is. And that starts with a deep understanding of your purpose, either as a person or as a company with a set of mm. product and services. And if, if your priorities are client acquisition at all costs, okay, well, that's going to determine you know what actions you take in the next two quarters, for example. If your purpose is to create a community of fans of your product, as well as that community creating a space of people who can be friends with each other. Take, for example, like Air Jordans and sneakerheads. Mm. Uh, 
Nike had created Air Jordans, priority one was likely to sell them. And then they also discovered that by this community of people who love buying sneakers, they can add more value to their company. They probably made priority too, like nurture the sneakerhead community, mm. right? If you're, I think purpose ultimately acts as a North Star for you to then, it has a trickle down effect uh, operationally. And, you know, you need to have a tight operation when you're growing a business on either a lean budget or with very few people or really high demands for, for success. Nowadays, I would say it's even like the, the audience, people, consumers are, are demanding so much authenticity that I, I think you would struggle to be one person as heading the company and not and, and the company not matching that as a, as a purpose and as an image as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I summarized a McKinsey study on, on the Fundbringer website that highlights the power of purpose to mm. keep talent within a company as well as drive up profits. And that is a, a reflection, I think, of sort of internal authenticity. So I have a boss and my boss's boss who all really care about mm -hmm. us being purpose aligned in this organization. And then we make products that the outside world goes, okay, yeah, this isn't just like corporate social responsibility BS. Like these guys really mm. care about affecting this part of the world. I can see it in the way they make market and create an experience around their products. That's all purpose-driven. Mm. Absolutely. Great. Uh, last question. What's next? What's next for Fundbringer? What's next is bringing clients on board. We've got, I have a pretty aggressive agenda for 2023. Insight-driven action is my framework for how I'm coaching people. So if anyone is at that turning point or sort of feels that uneasy sense of something missing and they're approaching a turning point, Let's talk. Great. Wonderful. I'll include uh, the details on how to contact you in the comments for the podcast. And yeah, let's let's see more people getting to understand yeah. their purpose. And Thank you. Brands. And thanks Thank for the too. opportunity to uh, for me to talk to your audience. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a nice day. You too. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.